0: Are you here? Well, by sheer virtue of you hearing these words, we know that you are here. Tuned in, episode number 998 of The Paul Leslie Hour, featuring our third interview with singer-actor Robert Davi. You can see Robert Davi in Barrio, a new movie that tells the true story of a little Jewish town in Slovakia and their fight for existence during the Holocaust. Yov will be released on video on demand, March 19th, 24. You know, you can assist the Paul Leslie Hour in our ongoing effort to help people tell their stories. All you need do is visit thepaullesley.com support. And we thank you. Now, buckle up for this interview with Robert Davi. Here's a disclaimer for you. Robert was in a peculiar mood at the beginning of this interview. We'll cover a lot of topics in this episode. Let's hear from a guy who's never been afraid to speak his mind. Robert Davi.
1: The Paul Leslie R and tonight Paul's guest Orson Wells <coughs> Chichi Rivera Johnny Carson Topo Gijo and the Flying Wallanders <laughs> The Paul Leslie R mm, good afternoon, Paul. Mm, that mustache makes me feel to talk like this.
2: Well that's a good thing. Are you there, Paul? I am, I am. Can you see me, Paul? I can, I can. Does it look okay? It
1: looks good. I like the black shirt. What's wrong with it, Paul? Tell me what's wrong with it. What's wrong with anything? No, I you're upset, Paul. Something you're very upset. I see that you're you're in some kind of zone. Are you in the Paul Leslie zone? I am in the Paul Leslie zone. Absolutely. Yes. yes. We never got to spend much time together the other day. Well, this is really Robert Darby. this Is who he really is? You don't know. I, the other one is an act I put on. Well, this is the real me, Paul. This is the real Robert Davi. Yes, it is. Where, where has he been hiding all this time? I don't know, but uh, somewhere between here and a hard place. <laughs> between a rock and a hot place, as they say, Paul. It's wonderful to see you. Where are you calling from? I am in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, I have relatives there. I have a cousin that's there. His son is there. Charleston's lovely. The airport there is lovely, by the way. Nice mall kind of, You can buy lots of nice things in Charleston, eat some interesting food. Oh, yeah. I packed on about ten pounds when I moved here. I know, understandable. I did so when I moved here to to Anchorage. Anchorage. Yes, that's where I'm. That's where I'm now. Located in Anchorage.
2: I thought you would be in some place warm.
1: Well, you know, Paul, wherever I am, it's warm. I generate a lot of heat. Uh-huh. Yes. What can I do for you
2: today? Well, I thought we would uh, get into a little Q&A. That's fine
1: with me. It's okay with you. A little sip of Java to begin the day.
2: Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. No, it's not, Paul. It's not
1: nothing wrong with it at all. So tell me, is this disarming to you? Is it a little bit disarming? (laughs) I never had anybody do it, I'll tell you that. Well, there's always a first time, why not? (laughs) Who says we can't be a little bit of Andy Kaufman on a day or two? I just don't know why I'm doing this, but I just feel like this right now. Yeah. Perhaps I'll snap back into my other alter ego at some point, but right now this seems engaging to me. For whatever reason, I hope you don't mind. I hope it's not upsetting to you. No, I'm not upset.
2: What are you, then? You're you're (laughs) something. (laughs) I'm I'm puzzled. You're baffled. (laughs) Baffled
1: is the word. Yes, baffled. You have to be baffled, don't you think so? Uh, Since, you know, Dick Cavett was baffled many times with guests, if you recall. Oh, yeah, he was. It's always good to throw a curveball, you know,
2: see what comes of it, what uh, engages. Go ahead, ask. uh, What would be your best impression if you were trying to do an impression of Robert Davi? What would that be?
1: (laughs) I don't know, because Robert Davi has many facets. It's very hard to find him sometimes. And sometimes you have to dig deep, and sometimes it's right there. Anyone who really knows me knows it's very difficult to find Robert Darby. It's a deep dive, Paul, a deep dive. Anyway, uh, I don't know, he just pops in when he feels like it. Knocks on the door, so to speak, and says, let me in, and I
2: acquiesce, of course. You don't know what can trigger this. So this, uh, th- th- this could be any day of the week, Oh, of course! Absolutely, <laughs> it
1: happens hourly. It switches off. Could be something else, anything. Could just go in f- into something else. I, I don't know what does it. You see, it is just what respond to you. See, I don't know for sure what does it to me, but it, certain things do it. I used to like Jonathan Winters. You know, he used to do different things. You remember Jonathan Winters, there, Paul?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was
1: quite interesting. Wasn't he a good character? Jonathan Winters, I think. Yes, he was quite interesting, Jonathan Winters. But I think it would be good to have.
2: I feel like I'm being tested. No, tested. Why do you think you being tested?
1: No, no, no. Uh, I just got stuck here. It's stuck. I'm even trying to come out by doing an Irish guy, and I can't come out of this character here. I don't know where he came from. I came on, put on the computer, and all of a sudden, this thing transcended into my brain. It overtook my body and psyche, and this is what we're left with, this frivolous character. I don't know who he is at all. I don't know where he comes from. Well, what makes him frivolous? Well, because he's... He's being flippant, isn't he? He's being flippant here and there, a little frivolous. He's not being very, he's being very superficial. He's on the surface. He's not being in depth. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps because, I don't know, maybe I watched a movie and I got affected by something, character, someone's character. That's what must have been it.
2: What movie did you
1: watch? I don't know. Well, I watched The Poor Things. I did watch Poor Things, that had some kind of interesting. And I watched quite a few different films. But I don't know where this has come from. Perhaps it is the mustache. Maybe your mustache is like an antenna, and it's signaling to me something. Do you know? It's quite intricate, quite quite
2: evolved, quite special. Well we could test that we could who are you now?
1: Well, I still see the <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, still the same characters I see see? still in the same guy but that was very good testing that was a good attempt I you'd have to untwirl it maybe chop off the ends. <laughs> Shave down a bit, and then maybe something else would happen. But I don't that anyway. Okay. You, you said okay. The first twenty minutes.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> you ready, baby? Let's go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we—that we, was the warm-up, I guess. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Well, I can tell you that it, it, it put me in the right place of mind. Did it? Why is that? I don't know. I think, uh, there's a little bit of pressure at the beginning of an interview. And then, uh, you know, you, you basically took the ball and it was like, <laughs> you know, it's good every now and then to not have control. Like, yes, it is. And then I just thought, let's see where this goes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. You don't want to do that because it can go on for days. Trust yeah. me. Yes, you'd be here till midnight.
2: <laughs> well, Robert, this is our third interview. Yes. Quite interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, spanning, I think, 11 years now. And years. you've always been someone who isn't afraid to speak. But first, mind. you've done how many interviews? Well, this is episode number 998. Oh, two more to be a 1,000.
1: Why don't we wait for a 1,000? You should have told me that. Who do you have for the 1,000 coming up? I don't know yet. Ah, oh, see, I should have waited. <laughs> I should have waited.
2: But I realized if I did that, then I wouldn't be able to get anybody to come on because everybody mm-hmm. would would want to wait. That's true.
1: That's true, but now I know it's 998. Two away from 1,000. Damn.
2: 1,000 is, is a, a big number.
1: Yes, yeah, 1,000. That's over 11 years. Well, it's 11 years
2: since our first talk, but, but yeah. It was, uh, I think, in 2000, I want to say 2012 or 2013, back on the radio. Back on
1: the radio. What radio was it?
2: At that time, I think I was on a station in northeast Georgia, uh, as I recall. Yep. Hmm. And where were you born? I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Michigan.
1: And did you always have this idea or dream of being
2: a Dick Cavett type? (laughs) (laughs) No. I well, I mean, I think. I think when I was really maybe 10, 11 years old, I was watching a lot of late-night television. And one of the shows I used to actually watch, which it was so interesting to me when you said that I reminded you of Dick Cavett in some ways, because I was watching Dick Cavett when I was like 11. I would watch reruns, and I would get up in the morning, and my parents would you know, want to know what it was. What were you doing all night? We heard you up. And I would say I was watching Dick Cavett. <laughs>
1: Dick Cavett, How yeah. cute.
2: Yeah, that's what. And I Were they say. happy you were watching him? Were they? Uh, were they? Did they say that's interesting, son? Oh, they said. They they said so. They, they kind of looked at each other and they would say something like, "It's Dick Cavett. It's <laughs> Dick Cavett." And it, how did you happen upon him? That was the kind of things that they wanted to know. And you know? what you say? Oh, just flipping channels. I mean, I would see different people's names and I would, you know, there would be uh, a rerun of Jack Parr and I would just like the way that name looked. And I would just think, yeah, I'm checking this guy out next. And I wanted—I would stay up as late as I could. If I could see the sunlight, I thought that I won. Hmm. Yep. And that led to Paul. So then, and what were your parents' names? My dad's name is Paul. My mom's name is Sharon. Are they still around? They are still around, yes. So they're watching your shows. Sometimes they catch them, yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And um, they're probably watching this one. Perhaps. Hello there, Paul and Sharon. Godspeed. Good to see you. But uh, so, all right. So this was you were like 11 years old and you were watching these shows and then, what made you throw your hat in the ring? What was that moment?
2: Well, I, I, I had written an article about a station, Radio Margaritaville. And I interviewed the program director, but it was just like a, a print, you know, article. And I told, uh, I told the program director that I wanted to have a show. And so mm. he gave me a slot. No experience. I'd never been in a recording studio or anything. How old were you? Oh, I was 22 at that time. Did you love it? I loved it right away. I didn't. Yeah. I just wanted to do that then. See that?
1: So then you went on and uh, did radio. <laughs> and then when did the Paul Leslie show
2: begin? Well, I started doing the podcast in... Uh, 2017 so okay. these the, this 998 episodes has been since 2017 ah so and you you got married around then t- uh 20 2015 the last day of 2015 was when i got married right what's your wife's name karina
1: karina that's right karina tell her i said hello
2: i will See, Absolutely. So you could
1: save this for the 1,000th episode. <laughs> Paul Leslie interviews Paul Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so, Robert, I've, I've wanted to know this for a long time. Go ahead. Shoot. You've always been someone who is unafraid to speak his mind. And I think that you, in some ways, you encourage other people to do it as well. What? Do, why do you do that?
1: Because there's nothing worse than having your tongue stapled to your forehead and fear. Fear is what creates most of the dissonance in, town, in, the, in our lives. No matter if it's a job or if it's in school or if it's an injustice, if you don't express yourself, if you don't have the freedom to express yourself, and you feel like you're held in check. And I, I think I was always perhaps like this. Because my father said one time, "Your mouth is going to get you in trouble," (laughs) you know, uh, because I was just free-spirited in terms of what I felt or what I wanted to speak about. And I think that that's—I see a lot of people that cower in, and probably for smart reasons, because they—if they don't let people know what they think, no one can punish them for, for what they do think. And I felt that that was cowardly and selfish. That's what I felt. I felt that I was letting money, not morality, govern my, my principles. And by, you know, not speaking out against, at least from my limited knowledge of what I'm experiencing in life or have experienced. So that was, uh, that was, that was just, uh, so I encourage people to, to, to st- you know, to at least be able to speak, especially conservatives, people that are, you know, because the left has, has demonized anyone who has a different think, you know, the whole, and, uh, you can't have a difference of opinion. You can't say that abortion is murder. You get... You know, you, get, uh, you suffer from from having a different point of view. Now, I don't care what anyone else does, but to me, that's what it is. And I have a right to say that. I don't want to pretend it's not. I don't want to pretend that life in the womb is not a human being. Now, they're extenuating. Just to take the most vital error that the left uses and uh, the right uses to create kind of this foment of division, you know. I mean, you hear from everyone, for instance, that since Roe versus Wade was overturned, you know, people, well, women can't have their own bodies. They can't have, you know, control over their own bodies, which is a bunch of women that can't get pregnant talking about pregnancy. A lot of them are. And uh, like Joy Behar, people from The View that, you know, get me upset sometimes with their hypocrisy but there have been more abortions since that overturning. Did Hmm. you know that? I did not know that. Yes. Previously to that, there were like 17 million abortions. And after that, there's over 20 million abortions. That's a statistic that I read. I forget where it was and heard about, you know, within the last month and a half. And I was shocked to hear that. And we know from Tucker Carlson's interview with Michael Benz, the cyber guy that recently went on X. A whole bunch of censorship that has been happening. And I wrote about censorship in 2009 on Breivar in 2010. I wrote about free speech back then, warning Hollywood and celebrities that you should have the freedom to, s- to think and speak of what you want. So it's not like I've all of a sudden become this. I wrote about it more than 10 years ago,
2: yeah, almost 15 years ago. I remember you talking about the right to speak your mind and and the importance of speaking your mind as far back as then. What do you say to anyone out there who's watching, who they know there's some things in their heart that uh, need to come out of their mouth, but there's something that's blocking them? They're afraid to speak up. Yes, sure. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing,
1: but you have to... They talk about the glass ceiling. You know, women are going to break the glass ceiling, and this is going to break the glass ceiling. Well, you got to break the glass ceiling of speech so it's free, so it floats out. Not hate speech, but honest, passionate speech. You should be able to express yourself yourself and your ideas based on your morality and based on your education the problem is is uh, it's um it's uh, not it's frustrating because there's so much misinformation disinformation and um the demonization of different think because i could think differently like this and you could be my best friend you could say to me, well, I disagree, Robert. You know what I mean? I think uh, women should have the, of course they should have respect for their bodies, but from what I understand, the DNA of the baby is different. Just let's take that issue, which is going to be a an explosive issue in this election coming up, because the left can has co-op that, and they have a lot of women wearing vaginas on their heads, screaming about their body rights. And I think it's a bit, it's a bit uh, manipulated, a bit agit propped, because nobody's saying you don't have a, you can't get it. Judging by the seventeen million in the states that were before Roe and now after this Roe thing, there's twenty million. So where's all of a sudden it would go down to zero? Oh my God, no abortions, no one had an abortion, and then you have to say, well, all those rape, all those kids, you know. Was there something wrong? So I think, you know, they, they talk about climate, but they don't talk about human life. And that's a hypocrisy to me. So worried about climate. Well, we got to be careful. You know, and I'm a believer in the environment. I'm a, I have, I've had, when I lived in LA, I had solar energy and I had it here. I believe if we can do something, but I, I think there's a lot of differences of opinions on all this stuff. And that climate thing has been going on since Strindberg, since the turn of the 19th century. August Strindberg wrote a book, or no, it was Ibsen. Was Ibsen or Strindberg? I think it was Ibsen, Ibsen, Enemy of the People. Did you know that? No. He wrote a play on the environment, Enemy of the People, Hmm. in the 19th turn of the century. So um, anyway, I think we hit that subject a little bit, right? Any of the?
2: Yeah, there's something that I've, I've heard you do this song a few times. I heard you most recently do this uh, this last weekend, and it's a song that Frank Sinatra recorded. You've done it very, very well. It always it always moves me, and I, I don't know if you know this, but every time we have uh, Independence Day, I look up the music video of your song, The House I Live In. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of prompted a question that I've asked a number of people. And now I have the chance to ask you, Robert Davi, what is America to you? Mm -hmm. Well,
1: I think the song, if you want to watch the song, it sums it up. Yeah. You know, it's the tapestry of the people that have, for me, e pluribus unum. And as the song said and that you said earlier, you mentioned the phrase, the right to speak my mind out. The right to speak my mind out. Now, prior to America, there was a lot of difficulty in speaking one's mind out, you know. Um, and there still, it seems to be, it seems to be reverting. We seem to be reverting in many ways. So America is not what I see today. What I see today is a bloated aspect of what the founders had intended, although there's questions on what did they intend, but my understanding of what was intended and um, the idea of e pluribus unum, through many, one. What does that mean? That means you cannot let illegal immigrants come in the nation That don't want to assimilate and we don't know who they are this will cause like what happened in kosovo when you have opposing ideologies that split up the country from within and this is the communist idea the marxist idea that it's happening it's what reagan fought against it's what since the 1920s america has been infiltrated with it's what The Hollywood left has demonized as the McCarthy era, incorrectly so. Um, But it's a ideal of this nation where we're all free, created equal, and the meritocracy. Um, Now, uh, it's, it's, you know, Reagan said the shining city on a hill, not to, not to, uh, be flippant about, you know, about it. But when you think about what in ancient Rome and Greece and what Cicero wrote about freedom and stuff, you find that we're veering away from that. And w- which part of the founders used some of that as the foundational aspect in the Stoics. Uh, but what we're having here is the, the uh, so it's a, a place where, Crime is punished. You can't go into a store and rip off $1,000 worth of stuff and get, thank you, come back tomorrow or go to another store. You know, I can tell you what America isn't. America shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be where police beat up on innocent people or people of, of color just because they want to, but at the same time, we understand the imperfectness of man. That's just not... This institution per se because you need law and order but what the left has done is they've torn down law and order they have destroyed law and order in this nation they spit on it they deceive the american people and they use um agitprop to in- infiltrate and excite and uh, and that's not america chuck schumer is not america nancy pelosi is not america you know the the right to have a statue up is America when you topple statues and you topple history then you're dealing with Tiananmen Square and communist China and the <laughs> communist Russia and all those other countries that are uh, you know uh, autocracies and uh, it's uh it's unfortunate Again, the, and it starts with the people, but the people being able to be civil to each other. You know that song, The House I Live In? There's many other verses to it. Hmm. It was actually written by two communists. Really? Yeah, and you can imagine why, because The House I Live In, you know what I mean? It has that universal theme, which there are some aspects to that, Philosophy, which are good, you know what I mean. There, there's a, there, but it gets distorted. It got it used a different way. But there are many verses to that song that absolutely paint a different picture. And the, the ones that Frank chose and those guys uh, to do the short video back in the day, 1946, was something that was in contrast to anti-Semitism and racial bigotry. And, um, you know, but, but the, the, you know, the turn of the century in the turn of the century, the, the, 1778 to get into some of the universities, you know, you had to read Cicero and Marcus Aurelius in Latin and in Greek. Did you know that? I've, I've heard that Latin and in Greek. And what have we done to the educational system? What are we feeding these kids? So this is America has been hijacked. There's a global cabal, and that's not America. You know, as much as people want to say it, and, uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson, and I've talked about that before, after the Federal Reserve said, I have unwittingly ruined my nation after the Federal Reserve was instituted. I have unwittingly ruined my nation because we were a nation of individuals, of, uh, and... uh, I don't know. it's a, I'm a, it's a complex question. That's not an easy question because it's what is America to me? And different people could have different responses to that. But it's not what I see today. It's yeah. not what I see. I see the right to speak my mind out, absolutely. That's one of the things when I do that, and I absolutely say it's the people. but it's um, and it's that whole thing, you know, the neighborhoods, yeah. Your work is, to, you know, the work is by my side. He says in the song, and um, that little town or village where my people lived and died. Hmm. Um, so it's it's, um, but especially the people, and the people have been distorted. And when you have, like I say, it's it should be such a, it should be such a deep. frustration to see what's happening at the borders and what president biden overturning look at how the media lied about everything trump closed the border they're saying no trump you know they they can lie to you right in your face that's another question but i mean that's another another issue but that's to me un-american it's un-american what what these politicians are doing they become the politburo they have become the commissars of the 21st century yeah they work for us you want to see what america is watch a frank capra film watch meet john doe that's america watch mr smith goes to washington that's america watch state of the union that's america with all its imperfections frank capra Hit it better than anyone on those films. And there's another one that he did, the Meet John Doe, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, State of the Union, and there's one more. There's one more in that Valley of Films that is just, uh, uh, it'll come to me. But watch these four films of Frank Capra, a Sicilian immigrant who should be more revered than he is, He was one of the first or the first heads of the Academy Awards. There should be a Frank Capra award at the Academy Awards, but because of he was very pro-American, he's been put aside a little bit, you know, again, to distort into this global cabal that we're moving toward, which I don't think is right. I like countries that have a national identity. I like France to be France. Italy to be Italy. You know, I don't I don't need, I think we can all be united in our humanity but keep our cultures. Keep the distinct cultures in our different histories. Anyway, what was the other one? Meet John Doe. Mr. Smith. Why can't I think of it? Was with I'll have to figure it out. I'll find it in a
2: Go ahead. Next. I'm hoping you can tell us about this, this movie. It's going to be coming on Video On Demand next month, March
1: 2024.
2: Yes. Bardejov. Uh, no, March 19th. March, 19th. March yes, 19th. Did you say that? I said March 2024, but... Yeah. To be more specific, March 19th. Yeah. What was it about this story that captured you? Well, first off, I had
1: done several movies with my dear friend, Danny A. And uh, we've worked together as actors, worked together as director and actor. And um, he's just an amazing. Uh, Mr. Deeds goes to town. And it happened one night. Those are the other ones that kind of round out America. And these are made in the 30s and the 40s. So we have a great working relationship. And he called me and he says, hey, I have this new script I'm doing. Um, I'm going to send it to you. Tell me what you think. And he sent it to me and I fell in love with the story. It's a true story. He told me about this 1942 in Bardejov, which is a town in Slovakia. And he told me of a man called Emil Fish, and he was nine years old, The man, when this town happened and when this incident happened and he left the town, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he made a Nadora a promise in the Jewish religion to rebuild the town in remembrance of the people that died and lived in that his town, where there are no Jews there anymore. And he rebuilt the town in 2005 and has been rebuilding it continually. It's become a historical site by the UN and stuff. So I read the script, which is very moving. And the character that popped out for me was this character, Raful Rudolf Lowy, who was the head of the Jewish Council of Bardiov. And um, I then researched and Emil gave me certain books that he had developed uh, about the subject in different books about the holocaust and similar ideas and it was just very it just resonated deeply in me and i said all right let's do this so we i went to tel aviv and uh, slovakia to film oh
2: wow i bet that was an experience
1: oh yeah this was back in early june may end of may june and then of october 7th happens now i had been in israel before i did a film called the engineer about Asaf, the first suicide bomber, 1996, 94, around then. But, I, I mean, that's on Netflix right now. I play a, a little cameo. I play a senator, a U.S. senator, whose daughter is killed in the bus that's blown up. And um, But I, I'd been to Israel for the first time for Danny's wedding, and then I went back for that film, The Engineer, and then third time for here. And I'd been to Jerusalem and the wall and the Mount uh, – and Church of the Holy Sepulchre and, uh, you know, all the sites there. And the Holocaust, you know, I've known for years because of David Horowitz. David Horowitz is a conservative thinker. He was a communist. His family were communists. He wrote a book in the 1970s called Radical Son, which showed his transition from being a communist to a conservative and why and wherefore, being on the inside of what was happening. And he was kind of a political mentor of mine. Uh, I'd go to the lectures that he had and the people that he had speaking and the books that he had like Victor David Hansen and many, many intellectual people. And um, he was talking about the anti-Semitism, the rise of it back in the mid-90s at the thing called the Wednesday Morning Club in Beverly Hills. And uh, it was a group of conservatives that would go there and discuss and think. And anyway, now it's called the Freedom Center. But um, yeah, so it was just a, a very um, moving story and a, a wonderful character who was defiant. He showed defiance. You know, he's, he in, in his history, he was arrested and beaten but he kept going and um, we don't show that aspect, but we do show his defiance and we show them, you know, they mention his, you know, getting arrested again, or, but he, he stood up for what he believed in and um, helped save these people, these young girls. Robert was part of the resistance also in Slovakia. Robert Darby was for you viewers, uh, this is be warned. Robert Dobby was in a rare weird mood for the beginning of this, yeah. And that's why. Yeah. Maybe I should do different character now. Maybe I yeah. do Greek. Maybe I do Greek guy, Paul. But what do you want to ask? I'm here. I do Greek guy. What? Then and I tell you. Right now. Zorba.
2: Let's go, Paul. Shoot. Next the question. What uh, what what Greek island do you recommend?
1: Oh, there's different islands to go to. I spent time in Skiathos, Mykonos, Crete. I, there's another island. I forget the name of it, but uh, there's, I forget the name. Very exclusive island. I forget the, the name of it. But Skiathos is not island, but it's up. Northern Aegean. Very good. Very good place. Beautiful. Cross from Cyprus. Should go. go Greece, Paul. Greece is Take wonderful.
2: Karina. You have been to Greece? I've been to Greece. Yes. Where did you go to Greek? I was in, Katarina. Katarina. Yep. This was uh, the early on when Car- when I met Karina. When you she, met Karina. She loves Greece. She like Greece, eh? Yeah, she's got a lot of Greek blood in her. That is why.
1: <laughs> Kalataburiko. Uzo. Eh? I tell you, it's good.
2: But the next question. If somebody goes to see this movie, Bardioff. Bardioff. What is it that you hope The viewer gets from that experience? What do you hope they take away from it? Well, I hope, first
1: off, you know, when I grew up, there were Holocaust remembrances and movies and in this late 50s, 60s, 70s. And then it started tapering away until finally people say, well, the Holocaust never existed until you have today that kind of sentiment being put out there quite a bit. So, And I remember seeing those remembrances in some of the films, dealing with it. Um, Very powerful. And then even in the current time, Spielberg, Schindler, list you know, you had. And um, we filmed, of course, before October 7th. And um, I hope people will watch the film and realize how quickly a society can be overcome and through some kind of mass hypnosis, demonize another group of people, whether they be, you know, I played a Palestinian in a movie in 1987, 1988. So I've done both. Uh, And it's, um, to be able to, uh, Just understand, try to understand each other. I was in Jordan in 1994. I did a film with uh, Blake Edwards called Son of Pink Panther. We filmed in the south of France, and then we filmed for a few weeks in Jordan. I was in uh, Amman, and then Petra, which is a beautiful area, Petra. Um, First Nabitian city, pink stone. And... uh, People had seen that I had done "Terrorist on Trial," the Palestinian uh, courtroom drama, and um, and I spoke to King Hussein's sister, who came to me and said, "Would I teach an acting class?" I said, "Yes." I said, "Well," I said, would you? Can you can you put fifty million dollars in the bank?" This is nineteen ninety four can you put $50 million in the bank? Well, not for me. I says, what about a school? We start a school here in Amman. A school, and then I'll get other actors and directors and cinematographers and screenwriters and some technicians, and we start a school. Now, that'll cost a little portion of the money. I says, but the majority will be put into a a film fund for the students with the best screenplays to make tell their stories, so they have a way of telling their stories uh, that everyone, a little judgy council, can say. And um, you know, the story could it cost a hundred thousand? It could cost two fifty. But you have a school now with people creating art, with Jews and Arabs working side by side for the arts. Nineteen ninety four, I said this. I said that would do much more than all the. Money is spent on bullets. Hmm. And um, very interesting, they said. But of course, and it it didn't make any sense to me. Why? Why not? So much money in that region. You know, now I'm seeing Saudi Arabia is doing stuff, you know, wanting to, to have the arts come to them. And I understand that. But Why? Why? And anyway, so this movie is a reminder of the terror that a people had to feel uh, during the nineteen forties, nineteen thirties, and nineteen forties. That seems to be rearing its ugly head again, and that it could be could be anyone, you know. I and mean, if you look at the movie Doctor Zhivago, it's a reminder of what the Bolsheviks went through and what they did, and it's happening here in America, confiscating land. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy confiscating guns. So films can educate and remind people, and this also inspires because it's the message of it is to pull together and not be fearful, um, and that's what we do in Bardell.
2: And where will people be able to watch this? It's on demand. It'll be on beyond- What platforms?
1: I don't know the varying platforms. I'll tell you when they tell me, but I know March 19th in varying platforms.
2: Okay. Very good. I'll very much be looking forward to watching this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very powerful. Very good. The audiences that have been seeing it and responding to it, you know, nicely.
2: And uh, it's probably the best character
1: I played for many, you know, long time.
2: Exciting. What can you tell us? Can you give us a tidbit about this guy, Danny A? Danny A is a great guy,
1: full of energy. Um, I met him on the film The Iceman. That was his first, my first recollection of him. And um, we were both actors in it. And we became friends. And then he was asking, he was producing a film called Club Life. And he he had done something prior to that that he worked on that he did. But he was, uh, it was his story, Club Life, because he was really one of the, in New York City, the club life. He was one of the major guys in that world. And uh, so meeting him, I got, (laughs) I met this whole world wound up playing uh, in this movie club life and then we did another film and then another film and then another film and then I love us and then another film and then up to here so he's he's directing he's acting he's uh, raising the funds he's a you know force of nature he's a great guy very loyal to people and very um, very quick you know and um, a great friend. I'm a terrific director. He did a great job with this film. And he does things, you know, without waste. He's not uh, hes not wasteful. You know what I'm saying? He's not, he's not overindulgent. He understands the economy of a film and how you can make films for a price and sell them in the marketplace and get your return and then move on to the next one, you know. Mm. Might be a little fast for me because he already directed another film since Bardiov, and we're not out yet, you know, hmm. but that's his, his, his passions. You know, he sees something strikes and goes.
2: I want to turn to music for just a bit. I've had the privilege of listening to a couple of recordings that are not publicly available and I very much enjoyed listening to them. Can we expect at some point a second Robert Davi record? Oh yeah, Dude. it's called "I'm Not Anyone," and it'll be out sometime in the next
1: few five to six months. I would hope. Oh really? I just have to, yeah. I just have to get back to LA to do a couple of more songs, and it's done. I have most of it's finished, and then putting all the accoutrements around it.
2: Excellent. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks. I can't resist asking this. Uh, Full disclosure to everybody out there, where you and I first met in person was at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, that night I was thinking, there are some similarities of Donald Trump and Frank Sinatra. Is there any that you can make in your mind? Well, the
1: obvious one of speaking his mind. You know, he, 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 he didn't hold back. Sinatra did not hold back. Um, and, um, you know, when he was in Australia, <laughs> his, his disdain for the media, for certain media people, the same thing, you know what I mean? He would, he would, he would uh, absolutely um, come down on them on the stage. Um, his loyalty, wanting the fierce loyalty of people, uh, the command that he has when he comes in. You know, he has that without having to sing. Trump shows up, and it's, you know, it's like a Sinatra event. It it does have that vibe to it. Um, And I think they both love America. Now, Frank was, Sinatra was, his mother, Dolly, was a staunch Democrat, and she ran several precincts in the Democratic Party, and there was huge Roosevelt fans, and then Kennedy fans, and then they made a transition, Sinatra did, made a transition over to conservative and and supported Nixon and and, and Reagan and then Bush. Uh, The, so the, the, I I think the politics would be somewhat similar now. Uh, They had a falling out, Elliot Weissman, who was Sinatra's manager. There was a falling out with Sinatra and Donald Trump over an engagement at Trump's Taj Mahal in Atlantic City. And I guess he was trying, you know, Trump refused to pay for some excess or who knows what. Nobody knows the real story there. But then from that, Elliot Weissman said, well, Donald Trump, Sinatra didn't like Donald Trump and he would be, you know, upset with him. Whether that is so or not, I don't know. Uh, it's spoken about. But both had their people that love them and also detract. That they're detractors. Um, and both have... Uh, um, so there's those similarities of them, you know. Both, both like beautiful women. Right. Um, there was controversy with women, with them, you know what I mean? Controversy with the press, with them. Uh, unfortunately, the I used to be played on Seriously, Sinatra. And I think it's something that I don't think, because I did my first film with him, I don't think he would have tolerated the daughter taking me off the air because of politics, because I speak my mind out, yeah. And that was another thing, you know. Now, the uh, the other thing, and people that love Frank Sinatra, some will just be cringing to think that there were similarities in terms of that. And Frank was, you know, he 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 he, he, he was a he cared much. Also, the charity things, quiet. Things he did, they called Sinatra Mr. Anonymous in terms of charity. And you can find many instances where Sinatra did things that happened for people that were anonymous things, and he didn't take any credit for it. It was from Mr. Anonymous, or it remained anonymous. And um, great speech by Richard Burton, the Mr. Anonymous speech, do you know it?
2: Yeah, I remember you you actually were,
1: Yeah, you were it one time. Yeah, I did it on my show. Yeah. And um, I do that periodically that that speech. And Trump has been known to do things like that. Help people and you know he gets accused of not So there's a quite, you know, a, a bigger than life personality always has a certain kind of you know complexity and uh, but I think that that uh, you know that's that's where there there is a similarity. There is a a certain kind of you can't you know it'd be a lie to deny it. If I had to say what does Sinatra have more in common with Joe Biden or Donald Trump, I would say Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump or Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton or Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Bush won. Bush two, Donald Trump. You know, so there was just a, so there is a, you know, you can make how you can argue your political point of view and uh, your personal point of view for
2: whatever reason, but
1: that's just my my assessment.
2: One of the songs that you recorded, uh, I always think is a, I don't know, it's it's one of the most optimistic songs ever. Frank Sinatra made it famous, The Best is Yet to Come. And, in fact, mm. you sang that song just a, a few days ago on stage. What do you think about that? How, how do you feel about what is yet to come?
1: Well, that's also song is also on my album, Dobby sings Sinatra. As you right. Know. Um,
2: it, it's my. I don't know
1: who wrote it. Was it Adolph? No, it was... Uh,
2: Betty Com- Compton and...
1: No, maybe... Was it? Best is yet to come. Carolyn Lee, the head start. You got it.
2: Carolyn Lee, and Ka- who else? Lyrics by Carolyn Lee, composed by Cy Coleman. Cy Coleman, son of a itch
1: <laughs> Cy Coleman and Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the best is yet to come. Well, hopefully, if Trump gets elected. If he's not elected, I'm fear for this country. My own two cents, folks. Yeah. Agree or disagree. That's my assessment from what I've seen. Because twenty million people, eighteen to twenty million illegal immigrants have come into the country. They're taking care of them better than they're taking care of our veterans and are homeless in America and people that need it in America. And the unwasted and the wasted money on senseless wars and wars that can be negotiated, but they refuse not to, as Eisenhower said, beware the military-industrial complex. And now, as Mike Benz says on Tucker Carlson and on the Epoch Times interview, you should watch these interviews by this gentleman. Maybe you should interview Mike Benz, Cyber. There's a lot of manipulation going on, a lot. And uh, I don't even wanna get into the 2020 election, but judging from what he was saying and what he's done and the deep dive he's done on what's happened, it's frightening. So, and that was the reason why the assassination of Donald Trump, and what I mean by assassination, it's like he's being stabbed from the front and the back. And that happened the day he, he's not a perfect person, no one is. But can you deny? Do you have to deny his? And now uh, Pelosi starting the drum again that Putin has something on him. They want to start that shit again. Putin has something on him, and uh, you know, look, they've got stuff on Biden. I directed the movie My Son Hunter. You want to talk about corruption and the Chinese and all the other crap? Pelosi's. Let's don't let me get into it. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. They got fat off of. The American people; these politicians are no good. And Pelosi's Italian, and I'm saying it.
2: What do you think people can do in the year ahead?
1: They better go out and support Donald Trump and stay with it. I think they have to. I think they have to not listen to the white noise. Like listen to Nikki Haley go on and on about. These two old guys. Well, you know what, Nikki? They said the same thing about Ronald Reagan. I said that in a rant recently. They said the same thing. And she wants to bobblehead because he may have said the word wrong or said, we all do. I don't care if you're 20 or you're 90. You're going to mix up your words sometimes. I've seen young people do it. I've seen people at the top of the thing and they're talking and they're rolling and they, oh, they may have. So don't make that a big issue. Is there a difference between Biden and Trump? Absolutely. Biden is at the end of his powers. Trump still has his. But Biden is a 50-year politician that's very clever. And when you're a boxer for 50 years, you still know how to throw a jab. You still know how to throw a hook. You may not be able to take the punches you could, so they protect them from the punches. But they got the media to do that, you see. The media is throwing the hard work to the American people and keeping us at bay and off balance, the media is doing that, so he can come in and whisper and do his little thing. And the old ladies sitting down at the buque and say, oh "Or they can say no, they don't want Biden, you know." Or now they, you know, now they want Gavin Newsom, as as Bill Maher talked about Gavin Newsom, who's made a disaster of California. Gavin Newsom is a product of the Browns, the Pelosi's, the D'Alessandro's, and the Gettys. People don't talk about it. He was raised by the Gettys. His father was the financial advisor to the Gettys. Pelosi's like a nephew. You know what I mean? So this is a guy that at the French Laundry, when everybody else was t- to stay home, he had a dozen people at the French Laundry at a thousand bucks a head or whatever the hell he paid for it. These are the commissars. They joined the political class because they are like the Roman Senate. They should be wearing togas, not suits. Put them in togas because they have usurped the American people. They have usurped their job. They're seditious. They're traitors. They work for you. We should be strutting around telling them what to do. And we don't. And that's the problem. And Trump comes along and pulls the rug from under them and their whole game. And it's very nerve-wracking, because if he really does it, they're going to have hell to pay. Hell to pay. It's what they did to Ross Perot. Remember when Ross Perot said, I got to get under the hood to see what's going on? He had 20%. It's what they're doing to Robert Kennedy Jr. They were assassinating him. They wouldn't even give Robert Kennedy Jr. protection. Yeah. How absurd is that? Two family members assassinated, and Robert Kennedy Jr. can't get... Okay, to have protection, but yet we're sending billions to Ukraine and billions to here and billions to there and billions to now the ho- uh, the illegal immigrants. We live in a corrupt society. Watch the film Network along with those Frank Capra films. Feels like Peter Finch. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it any longer. It's all in that. It was prophetic what Peter Finch did. It's all in film. It's all in film. all—it's it, almost like a Twilight Zone. You see films, and you see what society is going to do and where it's going to come to. Yeah.
2: Anyway. Yeah. Over the last few years, I found myself increasingly—I'll uh, watch television, and it'll be the news, and I swear that I'm—I'm I'm hallucinating. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, it's just the so, Twilight Zone. Yeah. You go. What? Wait a minute. Did I just hear her say that? Yeah. Wait. Did that just? Re- But that's antithesis to what I've understood in life. Are they... What? Yes, it's, you know, we can't talk about who shot those people because they're a person of color. But if he's a white boy, you're going to pound into it. This is a... There is a thing, a concerted effort to destroy the white man. You know, and then I saw... I'm so sick of the slavery issue. So sick of it. we got to bury that issue. they got to get a big bulldozer, a big ash pit, and throw the slavery issue into it and cover it up so people don't talk about it anymore. I saw a video of these young babies in Africa, the Congo, being put or carried in these burlap bags by their, by women and by other people. And these men stopped them and opened the bags to free the children. And I don't have a clear, clear understanding of what was happening, but they were either going to be sold as slaves for the cobalt mines for batteries, or there were sex slaves, one or the other, in the Congo. And that made me reflect, and I wanted to say, and I, I, it made me so angry, because we hear about reparations, and my comment to everybody was, would you rather be in the burlap bag or in America? When you talk about slavery and it was coming from Africa in this day and age, not 500 years ago when slavery was and they want reparation and this and that. And we're sold as bullshit by the left. And our black brothers and sisters get hoodwinked into it, bamboozled into this victimology. There were more lynchings of Italians in 1886 than anyone else. Italians were called lower and dirty than the Negro in 1906. I'm not saying that there's things we, we've grown. We've grown, but the last few years we put it. We've the last few years we've broken the bottle. The, The last few years they've been absolutely on purpose, splitting us apart and creating this division. And we have a bunch of Marxists that we know. The BLM movement was Marxist. We know the leaders at the top got rich. I mean, how much bullshit can the people put up with without finally saying enough? Tell the truth. And we have these media people. These people who go on the media on CNN or MSNBC or Fox, wherever they're going on, and nobody will confront them, really confront them. Excuse me, man, but you're being dishonest to the American people. No, 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 no. You're going to be quiet for a second. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's when Haley goes off and says this and that about Trump and this. Trump was revered before all this bullshit, before he ran for office. People maybe didn't like his style, didn't like that he got up on them on other things. And a businessman, I could tell you, a million business guys that people talk about. Hollywood guys that people liked and didn't like. And I had a producer one time, very famous producer, said of somebody, of another producer, well, he'd stab himself in the back to make a better deal. It's the way of business. Business is that. Business is that. We're going to pretend it's not. It's not a monastery, and even uh, you know even the church has corruption. Churches and have L- life. We're human. We're fallible. Anyway, get off the.
2: Well, Robert, thing. are you personally optimistic? How do how do you feel? I pray.
1: Um, I'm I'm optimistic if the American people pull together. So, got to pull together. You know, you got to say to Haley, get out of the race. Get out of the race. You got to say to the Lincoln Project and those rhinos, you're full of shit. You got to be that direct, that frank, that honest. Because the American people are sitting there going, they hear that and they go, going, it's terrible. Do you believe what Trump just said? And you got the people of The View that need to... I want to go on The View. I challenge the people of The View. I want to go mano a mano to Joy Behar and the rest of you guys. Put me on there. Put somebody with balls on your show, girls. I'd like to teach you a few things. Okay, Joy, instead of the crap, you're feeding those women in the audience. All right? You feed them a lot of manure. Let's have a guy come on the show that's going to confront your nonsense. Not just let you spew forth your crap. But they wouldn't do it,
2: which is fine with me anyway. Smelly geese. Well, they can find you (laughs) if they want. (laughs) They can see your... You can omit anything you want on this. (laughs) Find your many tweets. (laughs) What'd you say? They can find your many tweets and reply. (laughs) I'm sure they can.
1: (laughs) Paul's going... This is an entertainment show, Robert. Stop it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We've we've gone all over the place
1: here. You could you, you you're gonna edit, right? You're gonna do what you gotta do. We'll talk
2: about it. We'll talk about what <laughs> what we should do. <laughs> well, you tell me what you like. I say we leave it. Okay. So leave it. <laughs> we leave it. I always like to let my guest at the end, I give them the stage, so to speak very open-ended we've covered so many topics what would you like to say to anybody who's tuned in with us
1: (laughs) the best is yet to come and you got to pray you have to have faith the end of the day it's um and you know i might wake up tomorrow and feel totally different (laughs) but you know or have around the, it's around the same, you know, you know, I'm consistent on that ball, but I think it's, um, yeah, I think you have to, you need courage in life and you have to be, you know, you have to be positive, but positive in a way that is aware. I'm not going to be positive and pretend. A lot of guys stick their heads in the sand and they don't want to ruffle Feathers and stuff like that. Uh, I like ruffle feathers. Ruffle the feathers. Why not? Why can't we ruffle feathers? Do we have to lie to the people? Things you see? Oh, I didn't see that really. You know, I have friends of mine, like I said in Hollywood, that revered Trump at the beginning. You know, back in the day, and I won't imitate them. But And it's not all about that. It's about our country. It's about our country. And can that many people, do you really think there was no impropriety in the election? Do you really believe that in your soul? Would you sacrifice your first child or second child and say, it was absolutely clean? I don't think so. And that's, at the end of the day, what we have to ask ourselves. At the end of the day, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You can't bamboozle yourself. You can bamboozle the people. Bamboozle the people. But not yourself, because at the end of the day, you wind up facing the great judgment and you have to say at that moment i am sorry i beg forgiveness no matter who you are i've done things that i beg forgiveness my outspokenness is sometimes not the most polite most so i understand that that's my my sin but i rather have that outspokenness than be quiet and a liar
0: hmm.
1: and a deceiver That's what the worst is. Deception. Joe Biden. Bit of a deceiver. You know, Nancy Pelosi, when she ripped up the speech of Donald Trump, never done before. Here's a guy that wanted to get along with everybody. Trump wants to be loved. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's his... He wants to be loved. He wanted to be loved. He was like that in New York, like a big kid that wants love. There's nothing wrong with that. And he'll do his best for that. And he cared about people. You could see it. You could see that he cares about people. You can't hold 20,000, 10,000 people in the palm of your hand and not have some kind of authenticity. You can bamboozle people and have a few thousand, but you can't. You can't. It's and, and, and most politicians are just way, way off. Way off. They don't know how to communicate to the heart of the people. The GOP is dead. They're deadbeats. They don't understand culture. Shame. That's why they're We've lost the youth. That's why they have lost, you know, the left knows how to. Anyway, best is yet to come, but we've got to work for it.
2: Enough. Hasta. Well, Robert Davi, a pleasure to talk to you once <laughs> more. This is one for the books. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the books. We may get censored, who knows?
1: We'll see on this one. (laughs) Anyway, Paul, it's always great to to spend time with you and have a this is the talk we should have had the other night. We should have. Over a drink, you know what I mean? When we met Yeah. So that's what this was to me. You know, we didn't get to talk and rather than an interview. You know? Yeah. I mean I could do the well, you see I think that that's another thing that uh, you have to realize.
2: It's just,
1: you know, I could do the Dick Cavett, Marlon Brando interview.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Robert, a great pleasure. Paulie, God
1: bless you, my friend. God bless you. If you're in my love and uh, God bless you and speed, and get to that thousandth interview. I will. I will. God willing. God willing. All right. All right. Have a, have a great
0: evening. You too. All I'm right. tired now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepauleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of The Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Premorano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.